0: Good morning. If you're able, please stand to show reverence to the Lord as we join in hearing His word. Old Testament reading this morning will be Psalms 148, 1 through 14. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord from the heavens, praise Him in the heights. Praise Him, all His angels, praise Him, all His host. Praise Him, sun and moon, praise Him, all you shining stars. Praise Him in the highest heavens and your waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commands and they were created, and he established them forever and ever. He gave a decree, and it shall not pass away. Fire and hail, snow and mist, stormy and willful, fulfilling his word, mountains and hills, fruit trees and all cedars, beasts and all livestock, creeping things and flying birds, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth. Young men and maidens together, old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord. For his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above earth and heaven. He has raised up the horn for his people. Praise for all his saints, for the people of Israel who are near to him. Praise the Lord. Our New Testament we Revelations 21, 1 through 6. Then I saw the new heavens and the new earth. For the first heavens and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city in Jerusalem coming down out of the heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, write this down. For these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. The thirsty I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Let's pray.
1: Our Father, we thank you that your word speaks, and we we thank you that by the help of your Spirit we can hear. And so we ask, Father. That you would help us as you speak and as we, as we listen, we ask, Lord, that you would do your work in each heart. Nourishing us, encouraging us, comforting, Lord, where comfort is needed. Lord, and strengthening where weakness is invading. And we ask that you would do this for the sake of your son. In whose name we pray, amen. It's a very human thing to want to understand life. Whoever you are, you want to know how to live, what to live for, where is your life headed. And in pursuit of trying to figure these things out, there are a lot of ideas that present themselves as the solution. These ideas seek to give you a story of, of how things really are, or, or at least how they should be. And these ideas are often referred to as worldviews. Now worldview is, is sometimes described as a set of glasses through which, through which you, you view the world. And worldview is also a narrative. It's a story that, that has smaller substories that are used to help make sense of the world as as you seek to order your life within it. And sometimes worldviews, you you find them uh, in the media, the news, you find it in social media, social media platforms, you might... uh, might be following some blog or some, or some person and, and it's important for you to know exactly what that person's worldview is, not just the sentiment that you feel or the emotion that you feel or you think that, that, that somehow they're agreeing with you or you agree with them. You need to know what their worldview is. So today in our times, you know, we're, we're told to write your own story. Graduations are happening right now. Yesterday at DSU, there was a graduation. Yeah, and there there will be a lot of commencement speeches and they'll be filled with what New York Times columnist David Brooks calls the litany of expressive individualism. He writes, many graduates are told to follow your passion, chart your own course, march to the beat of your own drummer, follow your dreams and find yourself. This is the litany of expressive individualism. Yeah, in other words, write your own story. That would be nice, but you have to contend with other people's stories. And more than that, you didn't start the story. You were born into a story that has been going on for thousands of years. So a good question to ask is who has been writing that ongoing story? You know the answer. God. God has written the story from beginning to end. And if he has written the story, and he has, then does your story align with his? God is a God who likes happy endings. God is, has written the end of the story and it ends happily in his presence. And it all ends, the scripture is, it let it, lets us know, it all ends with a shout. In Psalm 148, it ends with, Praise the Lord. And in Revelation 21 6, the shout is, It's done. The God who likes happy endings is concerned about the end of every living creature and the creation they occupy. And so what, if, so what if you lived your life with the end that God has written for all of life in view? You might ask, how do I do that? Well, so from our text... To view your life, to view your life with God's happy ending in view, you must recognize the displacing, behold the dwelling, celebrate the death of death, and hear the shout, it's done. Let's think about this. In Revelation 21.1, here's recognize the displacing. You know, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. So, when you're reading the Book of Revelation, what you have to keep in mind is that it was written to to Christians who were being persecuted by the then-known government. You know, they were being they were being they were being persecuted by 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 these 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 men these that that didn't. Have God's narrative, God's story in view, and didn't understand God's involvement in the world. Nero and, and the Roman Empire were killing Christians in horrific and, and bloody ways. And the believers in Christ are wondering what's happening? What's happening? Why, if our faith is in Christ, are we being killed? And the answer is. They get from one of the last living eyewitnesses of Jesus Christ, is this letter, and it, this letter, this letter that, that goes out to to, to the empire. That's why the, the seven churches they're all they're all over the, all over Asia Minor. The Revelation describes scenes in heavens and, and scenes on earth. It, it gives them a history in, in in descriptive fashion and and the future. With the glory, with glorious details. But it's outside of, it's outside of space and, and and time, and it's seen in eternity. And so the reader, the readers are getting a, a view of what God has been doing throughout all of human history. How he judges and, and conquers evil and brings about the unity of, of heaven and earth. In Revelation 21.1 is a description of that new heaven and new earth displacing and replacing the first heaven and the first earth. So these persecuted believers had placed before them a vision of the old world being moved out and the new coming. And now, as you know, this is true that two things can't occupy the same space at the same time. Don't try that with your vehicles as you're going down the road. You will have a conversation with your insurance company. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it's, but it's true. Two, the new, the, the, the old world and the old earth, the old, old heaven can't occupy the space that the new heaven and the new earth is occupying at the same time. So, so this first heaven and this first earth, the scripture tells us, are vanishing. It's an evanescence where, 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 where it's, di- it's fading away. That's what passed away means. So in other words, they weren't to put their hopes in this world since it's disappearing, it's vanishing. The new heaven and the new earth are permanent. And so, so you have to ask the question. And it's a good question for us to think about today. Why would that be consoling? Why would that, why would that be comforting? Why, why would this comfort suffering Christians? Not only, because not only as, as, the, as the text says, was the first heaven and earth banishing, but the text says, and the sea was no more. So Revelation is apocalyptic literature. It's, it's filled with symbols, it's, fi- it's filled with metaphors, and, and, and so, so in a sense, this is code language. So when, when John says the sea is, was no more, the you know, sea in the Bible was a reference to chaos. The sea was chaotic. You know, in, in, in symbolic language, in the Old Testament, in symbolic language, the river was peaceful. The river, the river was seen as the place to be. The sea was full of, of monsters and trouble. So in Exodus chapter 15, remember, Pharaoh and his army, they're cast into the sea. Now, Job 41, in the description of the Leviathan, is this great sea creature. And there you get an idea, you got God subdues him, but this creature is so great that no man can do anything with it. Verse Job 41.10 says, no one is so fierce that he dares to stir him up. Who then is he who can stand before me? The idea is, is you can't stand before this big monster in the sea. How are you going to stand before God? So God, so the beast, the beast of Revelation 13 arises from the sea. In Revelation 21, the text is telling us that the sea, with all of its chaos, all of its monsters, is no more. So, you know, if you're disappointed or you were were going to be disappointed because, you know, well, you know, there's no sea in heaven and I enjoy the beach. That's not what John is talking about. (laughs) That's That's not what he's talking about. He's talk, but he's talking about the end of chaos. Hallelujah! Yeah. So, why is this consoling? Yeah, because we want chaos to be. We want the chaos to end. We like. We love for the message of, of chaos to to along with this with this world to be vanishing. So, the first thing the the world is vanishing. It's passing away. So why try to hold on to it? The first thing you do is you see your life through the lens of God's happy ending is to see the displacing of the first heaven and the first earth. And when you see that new heaven and new earth, then you're to do what verse 2 and 3 says. You behold the dwelling look at those verses and I saw the holy city New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold the dwelling place of God is with man he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God now this text is is rich with meaning that that informs our worldview and if the and if the end is a marriage scene where the people of God are prepared and, and presented as a bride for her husband, you, you, have to, you have to look. Yeah, isn't that what takes place at, during the wedding? Yeah, everything stops. You know, all the conversation and the chatter is going on, but then, oh, here comes the bride. The music starts, and for some folks, they think it's a funeral dirge. But, you know, the music the music is going, and... Uh, and everybody stands and you turn, behold. Isn't that a great word? Behold, you, you, have, you have to pay attention. The, you know, this is more symbolic language for, for the persecuted believers to, to, to sink their, 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 their hearts into and, their, and to wrap their minds around. The holy city, the new Jerusalem is coming down out of heaven from God and the city is really the people of God. So in the Old Testament, as you, read, as you read through Scripture, Zion is often personified. Zion is just another name for Jerusalem. So in Isaiah 61, it depicts the city as a, bride, uh, as, as a bride adorns herself with jewels. In Isaiah 62, verse 5, it uses the same imagery of the people of God. For as a young man, it says, marries a young woman, so shall your sons marry you. And as a bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. So, the holy city, the new Jerusalem, is the people of God. The people being presented are a people that has been prepared for God's dwelling place. This is comforting. It's comforting to know that whatever it is that's taking place in your life right now, that it is that all of that God is using to prepare you for his, to be where, uh, the place where he dwells that we are as as a community, that that we are prepared as a place for God to dwell. So behold, look, the happy ending is God dwelling, tabernacled with his people forever. God and his people will finally and forever be together. No bombs can touch it. No, no power-hungry despots can seize it. God is within her, Psalm 46 tells us. She will not fall. Malcolm Muggeridge said, all earthly cities are vulnerable. Men build them and men destroy them. At the same time, there is a city of God which men did not build and cannot destroy and which is everlasting. Hallelujah. You see, this, this is a part of the happy ending God has written. A bride prepared and coming down from heaven, his people. And now, just as when a person gets married, you know, they can't think, or they shouldn't think, that, well, my life is over. I'm married. What else is there to live for? thou fool tonight thy soul shall be required of thee <laughs> now that's just the beginning that's just the beginning so once you once you behold the dwelling you have to celebrate The death of death. Because look at verse 4 and 5. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. You see, what comes with the new heaven, the new earth, and the new Jerusalem is life where death is dead and all of its attendants. The mourning and crying and pain all ended. The former order of things, the scripture says, is it's gone. It's it's done. So, so some people think that you know then heaven must be kind of boring. You know, and and many and sometimes even Christians ask questions and say say things say things like that. Like I don't know, how is it going to be if all we're doing is dot dot dot? You know. Yeah, so, so maybe maybe you recall the TV series Star Trek Voyager, the character Quinn of the Q continuum. You know, he he was a he was of that community of of immortals, and they and 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 he was always troubling uh, Captain Janeway, you know, by by showing up with unannounced and you know just throwing them off of, of whatever their plans were. And, uh, you know, so, but, but in one episode, he wants to end his existence. And so here, here Quinn and Janeway and and Tuvok they're transported to the continuum, and 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 that continu- the continuum it looks like it looks like a uh, it, it's on a deserted road, and and there's this uh, this old roadhouse there. That's 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 the continuum, and and Quinn says to Tuvok that he should listen to their dialogue, and Tuvok says, "I'm afraid I cannot hear any." And Quinn says, "Because it has all been said, everyone has heard everything." seen everything, they haven't said, they haven't had to speak to each other in 10 millennia. There's nothing left to say. For us, the disease is immortality. Perhaps they listened to Isaac Asimov as they wrote this story because Isaac, you know, he was a science fiction writer, and, and he, he, this is what he said. He says, I don't believe in an afterlife, so I don't have to spend my whole life fearing hell or fearing heaven even more. For whatever the tortures of hell, I think the boredom of heaven would be even worse. I'm telling you, you really should check out people's worldviews. Yeah, you know, it's good. so so. so. Yeah, heaven is, is, is boredom. Why would you think that? Because you can't imagine, you can't imagine what perfect life is like. It's outside of the realm of our experience. You can't imagine perfect health. You can't imagine. It's hard to imagine that you, you actually cook a recipe and it turns out the way it's supposed to. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, that, that that you do your work, you do your work, and you don't stink at the end of the day. Uh, I you know it's it's hard it's hard to imagine perfection like that. So heaven, board. See, if men write the story, that is the on, that is the only ending that they can imagine. But Revelation twenty one verse four four and five is a happy ending that God has written, where eternal life is full of enduring joy. Isaiah 65 and 66 are good places to take a look at and, 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 and to see as it, as it describes the new heaven and the new earth. And Isaiah 65, verse 17 through 19 says, Behold, I create new heavens and, new, and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind, but be glad and, and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy and her people to be a gladness. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. No more shall be heard in it the sound of weeping and the cry of distress. The celebration of the death of death means that the the things that attend life continues unabated. If you read Isaiah 65 further, you know, it, it's, it lets us know. Babies are born and there are no miscarriages. That's verse 20. Houses are built and lived in. Commodities are grown and, and consumed and, and markets continue. That's verse 21. Work is satisfying and, and trouble-free. That's verse 23. And and the animals, the animals are without animosity. Listen to Isaiah 65, 25. The wolf and the lamb shall graze together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox and the dust shall be the serpent's food. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. You see, the death of death means life goes on happily forever after. And when men are, are... So when men are writing the stories, death is just a part of life, move on. It's gonna keep happening. But God who has written the story says death is conquered and life continues and there's no more death and all of its attendants are gone as well. So, celebrate, celebrate forever and hear the shout. It's done. Revelation 21 verse, look at the latter half of verse five and verse six. Also he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. See, viewing your life through the, through the lens of God's happy ending of all things calls you to trust. It calls you to trust. So John is told, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And isn't it true we long for these kind of assurances? That's why we draw up contracts. <laughs> yeah, because, because the contract is, 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 is expressing certain assurances. It's why many of you go to court, because you felt like the assurances weren't met. You know, so we long, for, we long for these types of assurances. So, how do we know that God's happy endings will come about? Well, the text exc- exclaims, It is done. See, that's a word that means to become, to appear, to, to, to come upon the stage. It's finished and it's coming. The Greek verb is is in the perfect tense. It's a complete action with a continuing result. It it will happen because God is faithful to his word. It is done. You might ask, doesn't God see? Doesn't he know the trouble? Does he he see what's happening in the world? How can he say it's done? How can he say that it's done? Doesn't he know my life? Doesn't he see the, the trouble that I'm in? Well, see, here's the other thing that assures us that, that it's done. It is the, it's the power of the eternal God, Jesus Christ. See, here's the text tells us, he's not restricted by time or space. He says, I am the alpha and the omega. I'm the beginning, I'm the end. Is God, is, is Christ your beginning point? As you view your life, is Christ your beginning? Is, is that where you begin it's, and it's that where you end. It all begins and ends with God. Every, everything gets started by God. Everything ends with God. And don't you know that only, only the author gets to say it's done. Because if you're a character in a drama, you're going, you're going, through, the, you're going through, through what the, the author or the creator of, of the drama has written. Of course, as you're going through it, it doesn't feel like it's done to you. But the playwright who in whose mind and play the, the play was created, it is done. He's not still writing out the scenes. He's finished the whole story. Don't you love it? Maybe you remember seeing this in cartoons or or on Carol Burnett. <laughs> Where sometimes sometimes you know, they got this skit going and the character turns and, and looks in bewilderment at the, at, the, at the as if as if they heard what the narrator was saying and, and they're and they're puzzled. <laughs> and you know, it's just funny when you see that. Well, at least it's funny to me. <laughs> yeah. you know, they're not supposed to react to the narrator, but they but here they're doing that. You know, but that's kind of the way you feel when you read this. How can he say it's done? But you must trust. The eternal writer knows what he's doing with the characters he's created. Who else are you going to trust? The other characters set in the drama with you? Of course not. They're in the the same story with you. They They have no answer for recovering of your loved ones, of you and your loved ones from death and disease. They have, they, have, they have no remedy for men's sins. For all of the talk of justice, have you noticed we have a problem pulling it off? They have no remedy for men's propensity to continue to grab land and, and spread war. They offer themselves as, as saviors through their stories of, of politically superior ideologies, but they are powerless. Powerless. To reconcile the ethnicities. If for all of their stories, you're left as bored with life as the Q continuum, unsatisfied, hungry, thirsty. And here Jesus, who has written the end of the story, is saying to is saying to you, if you're hungry, you're thirsty, I have water. For you, a spring of the water of life, it's there without payment. That's grace. That's grace. Through so through his death and resurrection, he is our satisfaction. You see, the difference between humans writing and God writing is this humans are still trying to write. We're always, we're always trying to write, but God is done writing. Humans must, the, humans must make adjustments. The, humans have to react to events, and, and, they tr- and they try to have contingencies if the story is, isn't coming together. But God's happy ending is already written. It's not going to change. And he will come upon the stage, and the drama We'll be over. Hallelujah. And who else? Who else has the power to bring about our happiness but God? See, no one else. No one else has the power to displace and replace the first heaven and the first earth but God. God and you understand that all of all of, the, all of these are they're they're about our happiness and our ability to experience the happiness that God has offered to us. See there's no one no one else has the power to displace and replace the first heaven and the first earth but God. And this displacing calls us to live in this world but love the next. Cuz it's those who love the next who do the who do the best good for, for this world that we presently live in. Some people are living and pining for the good old days, but the good old days aren't coming back. The new heaven and the new earth are coming. Hallelujah. So who else? Who else has the beauty that, that captivates, calling us to behold, commanding us to behold? So beautiful that we can't help but behold only God. God the dwelling place of God with his people. And since the bride is kept in heaven and prepared by God, this tells us that we're not to trust in self-sanctification, but to rest in the holiness he has provided us in Christ. in Christ, we're being prepared. In Christ, we're without spot or wrinkle, without stain. And this is the work that Christ, our, our, our bridegroom, does. The word rest in the in, in the holiness that He's provided. Christ adorns us with wisdom, with righteousness and sanctification. Who else, who else has brought about the death of death? None but the risen Lord Jesus. He's the killer of death. He because he mourned on the tree, we are comforted in life and death. Because of his finished work on the cross, our work now has lasting meaning. No matter how small or how large it may be, it has lasting meaning. And the scripture is letting us know here that the best is yet to come. Who else, who else has the power to make heaven and earth one in their praise? You understand that that's the goal, that's the goal of the gospel. To make heaven and earth one and to bring all things together, Paul would say in Ephesians. And in Romans 15, he would tell us that is so that we might with one voice glorify the God and Father. So it's, been, it's, been, it's the goal of the gospel to make, the, to make heaven and earth one in their praise. This is what Psalm 148 describes for us. Heaven is the source of our praise. That's Psalm 148.1. It says, praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the highest in the heights, praise the Lord. The earth is called upon to praise the Lord in Psalm one forty eight seven. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all deeps. Even the weather is called upon to join to join in the praise of the Lord. In Psalm one forty eight eight. In all classes, all classes are are called upon to praise the Lord. Kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and maidens together, old men and children. That's Psalm 148, 11. And then we're told, we're told that the Lord has ordained power in our praise. You know, you know that 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 praise has power? Yeah. Here's what it says in verse 14 of, of, of Psalm 148. He has raised up a horn for his people. The horn is a symbol of power. The horn, that's what it's a picture of. It's a picture of power. And what is, what's the power? Praise for all his saints. For the people of Israel who are near to him, praise the Lord. Yeah, praise is power. There's an old gospel song that says, don't wait till the battle's over. Shout now. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah. See, God, our maker and the author of the overarching story of the world, made us to experience his happy ending. C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity writes, God made us, invented us as a man invents an engine. A car is made to run on petrol and it would not run properly on anything else. Now God designed the human machine to run on himself. He himself is the fuel our spirits were designed to burn or the food our spirits were designed to feed on. There is no other. That is why it is just no good asking God to make us happy in our own way without bothering about religion. God cannot give us a happiness and peace apart from himself because it is not there. There is no such thing. You see, brothers and sisters... We can't forget this is our Father's world. God made the heavens. He made, He made, He made the world for humankind, and, and humankind was made for God. And consequently, the scripture tells us the earth is the Lord and is, is, is the earth, the earth is, is the Lord's now and then, and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell in it so while men are, are seeking to save it or, or desecrate it, they serve God's purpose in remaking it. And it all ends with a shout. Praise the Lord. It is done. Let's pray. Lord, Thank you that your word reminds us that the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord endures forever. And it is this word, Lord, that we have hung and are hanging all of our hope. And you, Lord, have fulfilled it. You started it and it is done. Help us now as we walk through it. To see you clearly and to bring about, to see you as you bring about this new heaven, this new earth. And Lord, and teach us to enjoy it now that we may enjoy it even more fully in that day when you return. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.